You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. Yeah, I'm so happy you're here this morning. You didn't travel. You didn't, you didn't go away for the long weekend. <laughs> amen. Yeah. Um. I believe, I mean, we had a great time praying this week, didn't we? Yeah, we, oh my goodness, I was so, so, so blessed. The way the Holy Spirit was leading us. And uh, this morning while I was praying, he said to me, we should get ready for another round. Amen. <laughs> I'll let you... <laughs> I'll let you know when. <laughs> but it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Because it's from hindsight, looking at the way he's been leading us, he's actually dealing with things to prepare us for some things. Are you getting my point? Yeah. So um, I believe that it's significant. When the Spirit leads you, you don't, you don't ask Him why. You just do it. It's later on that you will see why. Uh, some of us are so smart that you need to know why for everything. And uh, it's a good thing, but there are times that He won't tell you why. Okay? If He just says, you are supposed to go this way. And that's the right route, but he says, go through this side. You say, but that's long. He doesn't, he, he doesn't need to explain to you. <laughs> Amen? You just obey him, and that's it. So, we want to cultivate a lifestyle of obedience. And today, we are celebrating our cultures. And um, I believe we're going to have some yummy stuff. <laughs> yummy stuff after the service huh? after the second service okay yes so please I came ready for that <laughs> hallelujah <laughs> but before we eat the natural food we need the spiritual food the spiritual food so why don't you stretch your hands and pray? Just pray, pray, pray for me. Come on. Lord, I just thank you. Bless your name. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Moyile bradikistosa libra. Zelibra de kesulaba. Zilaba de rebe. Zulaba de lebe. Zulaba bababa. Zendelike Sundaraba Zelebis Konomusto Sulaba Haraba de Rabusta Tikis Konomusto Sulabaha Mighty God Mighty God We glorify you We give you praise this morning Thank you for the spirit of revelation Thank you Lord That you will speak through me this morning Anoint these lips of clay and Lord God, let there be understanding, let there be revelation, let there be transformation in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we, uh, we all have a natural um, heritage. We all have cultures that we come from and who were raised in a particular way. We're living in a particular culture, and culture is constantly evolving, constantly changing. Um, and I want to say this, that we are living in a, in a time of war. Even though you don't know it, but I want to tell you, we're living in a time of war. Okay? And there are different types of war that are going on right now as you are living your life and seemingly you are living in peace. You are living in peace, but it's a time of war. 
okay? It's a time of war. And what war are we talking about? Different kinds of war. There is a, a kingdom of God against the kingdom of darkness. Or the kingdom of darkness against the kingdom of God. There is that war that is going on. Okay? So as you live your life, understand that there is war going on. So when you live in a time of war, you don't live as if nothing is at stake. Because in a time of war, there is always something at stake. Because there's, there's no war without a cause. Yeah. There's always a cause. There's always a reason for war. Yeah. So there is the quest for dominance, for control. For expansion and all of that. These are things that trigger wars. So there's the war of kingdoms. Kingdoms against kingdoms. Right? And Jesus said that it's one of the signs of the last days. And we look at it about, uh, in terms of just nations fighting against nations. But you need to see it also from the spiritual. Because there is an intensity of the war in the spiritual realm. And so the war between the two kingdoms has been broken down into different types of wars. So one of the wars is the war of cultures. So there is the culture of heaven and then there is the culture of the earth. And then there is the culture of hell. Now, our natural cultures, there are good things in every culture. Alright? There is God in every culture, but there is also evil in every culture. And the reason for that is because the war of kingdoms has been broken down into cultures. Are you getting my point? Yeah, it has been broken down into cultures. In other words, it's a war that is disguised. And people don't know that there is a war going on. But meanwhile, it is the enemy's strategy of advancing his kingdom using the, the vehicle of culture. Am I communicating this morning? So, the enemy is so, so smart. So smart. Remember, the Bible even calls him that serpent that was in the garden. And one of the things about the serpent is its wisdom. Many animals have been extinct. The serpent is still around. How has the serpent been able to remain in the face of so much danger? In the face of so much enmity? Because God says, I'll put enmity between you huh, and his seed and the seed of the woman. So there is an enmity between the serpent and the human race. But yet, the serpent has not been extinct. How is that possible? Say <laughs> wisdom. Yeah. Wisdom. So, it, it has the ability to hide. It has the ability to mesmerize. It has the ability to strike at the right time. So, the war of the kingdoms, the war between the kingdoms of darkness and the kingdom of God is also happening in our daily lives, but we are not even aware. So, that's why Satan will introduce certain things into our cultures that will seem innocent. Yes? 
And then we just, just go and do this. Because remember, you're an African. Come on. You're an African. So, the, I mean, we've always done this before the missionaries came. So we, we, we cannot put it away because that's who we are. That's not true. That's not who we are. We are kings. And we're not going to be subject to the beggarly elements of the world. So, even as we celebrate our heritage and our cultures, we celebrate the good. Yes? We have fantastic, great stuff all over Africa. I've been to so many African countries. I need to start counting. Lost count. But everywhere you go, you will see something to admire. You will see something that is close to the Bible. Amen? Amen. For example, the culture of hospitality is, is all over the continent. Am I correct? Or yours is not... Yeah, hospitality. He, the, you know, the, the, we are just warm people. You're walking the street. Somebody that you don't even know, just say hello, good morning. Huh? Go and try that in Europe. Yeah, I tried it one time in London. I greeted this lady in the morning. I said, uh, good morning. I was just walking and uh, I said, good morning. And she looked at me. Do I know you? Do you know me? Why are you talking to me? I say, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. You see? So I was trying to be African. But of course, some people think because they are civilized, they become, you know, they stop greeting. You just walk past you know. No, it's, it's not good. Don't lose it. Don't lose it. Amen? Amen? Hospitality. Look at Abraham. They, they, these men are, tra are going. He sees them. He doesn't even know them. He says, come, eat, eat, sit down, eat. Don't go. Please, let me prepare for you. Eventually, he realizes it's the Lord. In case you don't know, the Bible says, Do not be weary of entertaining strangers. For many, without knowing, have entertained angels. So, this is something that is so, is so strong in Africa, but yet it's biblical. But now, Satan sees, oh, okay, you have all these good things. Let me introduce something else. Yeah, because this is God's culture. That aspect of Africa is actually a culture of heaven that is within Africa. Are you getting my point? But Satan now comes and says, no, now you need to start talking to the dead. Huh? Somebody dies, then now you now start praying to him to come and help you. No, it's not. It's not. How do you do that? Huh? I was talking to someone, and he was talking about how God broke broke this thing, this tradition over one of the relatives. So they have this uncle who used to be very mean and wicked. So this uncle was mean to this guy from childhood. And as they're growing, this uncle is getting more wicked and more wicked. 
So eventually this uncle dies. And he was now asked as a man to come and do some, you know, something to that uncle so that that uncle can come and help him. And he says, he says, uh, this is not adding up. Is it the same uncle that was so mean to me? Huh? He's been so mean to me. Now he is dead and he now becomes an angel that will come and help me. He says, no. There's something wrong with this thing. So this guy used to do those things until the matter of this uncle was brought. <laughs> then he now saw this thing does not make sense. Yes? And that's how that thing was broken. Can you imagine? So where did that thing come from? How did it originate? Is the kingdom of darkness bringing its culture into our culture to fight the kingdom of God? You see. So there's a war of cultures going on. And those, that war is a war of kingdoms. And that's why you need to study your Bible so that you understand the culture of heaven, the culture of the kingdom of God, and begin to live according to that. Okay? So don't be fooled by the fact that your forefathers used to do something, then that is your identity. No, that is not your identity. Your identity is in Christ. Your identity is in the word of God. So, let's go into the Bible. Let's look at a few scriptures. Because even by the time of Jesus, Jesus came to introduce another culture. There's so much going on before he comes. And many things have been introduced into religion. Okay? And Jesus, look at Matthew chapter 5. Verse 1 says, And seeing the multitudes, he went up on the mountain. And when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. For they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful. For they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart. For they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. For they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil things against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its flavor how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing, but is thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp 
and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. And he goes on and on and on. This is, this is the longest sermon that Jesus preached from, from chapter 5 right to chapter 7. You know. And this preaching, in this preaching, he is introducing the culture of heaven. He is introducing a culture that we as kings and priests unto God need to live by. Amen? Amen. So, blessed are the poor in spirit. What, has, what is this talking about? He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? What does it mean? It's simply saying that you need to come to a point where you begin to see your bankruptcy in the spirit without Christ. Are you following me? Because without Christ, you are spiritually bankrupt. Did you know that? Yeah, you are. Many think they are rich, but without Christ, they are poor. But they don't see their poverty. Huh? So blessed are they that see their poverty in the spirit. Blessed. There is a blessing when you see your true spiritual state. It needs to become part of you. It becomes part of you. And this also speaks of humility. Because it takes humility for you to see yourself the way you truly are. Because as a king, you must never overestimate yourself. You must see yourself the way you truly are in the spirit. Okay? So blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven belongs to those who are humble. If you are going to walk in, 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 in the powers of heaven, you need to be poor in spirit. So this poverty of spirit is not a bad thing. It is actually a good thing. Are you getting my point? Blessed are the poor in spirit. So you look at yourself and you say, Lord, I'm nothing without you. Without you, I have nothing. All I have is nothing if I don't have you. And that has to become a part of you. You need to always live with that consciousness. And that's why Jesus said, unless you become like a little child, you cannot enter into heaven. How? A little child is humble. You don't see little proud children. No, I mean, yeah. They are so humble. Yeah? Yeah, they can have strong personalities and that's fine. That's good. But they are humble. They are humble. They are teachable. You can teach them things. They believe you. They can receive Amen? Amen? Those are qualities of someone that is poor in spirit. So Jesus is saying, you can't enter heaven if you don't have this. Hello? So, nobody has taught them this thing. Jesus just comes on the scene and starts preaching these kind of things. And they're like, ah, what, kind of, <laughs> what kind of message is this? But he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. How many people want to be those that 
have the kingdom of heaven. Amen. You need to have a real estate in heaven. You need to have like, you know, massive empires in heaven. Okay? You need to own cities in heaven. You need to own vast territories in heaven. But there's a way to do that. First step, blessed are the poor in spirit. You can own heaven by being poor in spirit, by being humble. I know culture, the, the culture of the world teaches and promotes and celebrates, come on, and values the proud. Yeah. No, when you are, you know, <laughs> when you are proud, people admire you. When you are humble, you look weak. People don't like you. You see, it's a counter, it's a counterculture. It's a war of kingdoms. Are you following me? Now, I'm not saying you should be a doormat. That people should start stepping on you. No, you shouldn't be. Jesus was never like that. So, our true example of humility is Christ. So, you look at the life of Jesus. I mean, he would even call them, you <laughs> whitewashed tombs. I said, where is the humility in that? But that's true humility. So humility is not what you think. Study the life of Jesus and you'll see true humility. Everything Jesus did, you are safe. You can do it. So far as you don't receive worship. Because it doesn't belong to you. Okay? All right. So, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I don't know about you. Constantly, I just want to see my poverty of spirit without him. I'm not so much interested in, you know, establishing myself. Why? I want him to do it for me. He will do it better. Amen? Amen. Yeah. Okay. Let's read the next verse. Look at what he says. Next verse. It says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn. Now, when you read that, you think that it's just mourning, you know, uh, because somebody died and all of that. Although it's applicable, but that's not truly, that's not the real essence of what he's talking about. Blessed are those who mourn when you see your sin. Come on. When you see your sin and you see the impact of sin and the death that comes as a result of sin, you mourn. You see? So you mourn. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Haven't you seen people that uh, you know, celebrate and boast about their sins? Oh man, I was able to do this, do that, do this, do that. Exploits of sin. Huh? <laughs> yeah. There are people that boast about that. Boast about their evil. Boast about how wicked they are. Boast about how, you know, they've crushed people. Boast about, I mean, the list goes on and on. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. This is like, okay. But that's how heaven operates. Heaven expects you to see the wickedness of the evil around you. And then begin to mourn about it. Do you get my point? You begin to cry about it. You begin to mourn about the condition of things. Can't you see the condition of the land? Can't you see the condition of the nation? Can't you see the condition of your family? Are you mourning over it? It, it should move you to mourn. Okay? But it, for some people, they just look and then they become critical. 
They just start criticizing everybody and there's no nothing inside them that is causing them to mourn. So there is no blessing in criticism. But there is a blessing in mourning. That's what Jesus is saying. So all of this needs to become part of your culture now. <laughs> As a kingdom citizen. Are you getting my point? Yeah, let's read. Okay, next. He says, Blessed are the meek. Oh my God. For they shall inherit the earth. Isn't it interesting that when it comes to um, poor in spirit, he talks about this is the kingdom of heaven. But the meek, the earth. So God wants you to have an inheritance in heaven through your poverty of spirit and an inheritance on the earth through your meekness. Are you getting the point? It's not either or. It's both. So the meek, what, what does it mean to be meek? A meek person is someone that, that has power but is able to control it. If I just... Oh, but then I control myself. That's meekness. The Bible says Moses was the meekest of all. In his generation. That's at the time of Moses on the earth. Nobody was as meek as Moses. You know that that guy. The kind of powers he operated in. Somebody that spoke and the ground opened. And, and 3,000 people got buried alive. That's power. Raw power. Are you getting me? And I, I believe that God is going to bring that is 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 going to bring that power to our generation, yeah. those kind of powers. But we need people to be meek. If not, when you get angry, you will call down fire and consume people. You will send people to hell quickly. Yeah. So you need to be meek. But so it takes meekness for you to begin to take the earth. To begin to possess the earth. So Jesus is giving us a, 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 a strategy here. He's giving us a principle here. He's giving us a principle that will help us. Alright. So when you are in a position of power, don't abuse your power. That's what he's saying. When you are in a position of power, you need to control your power. Just like when David had the opportunity to kill Saul, you notice that he didn't do that. But he had the power to. He got the opportunity. It's like God is saying, look at your enemy. And he comes close enough and he cuts a piece of the cloth. And stands far and shouts just for Saul to know that he was close enough. So to say, I had the opportunity to finish you, but I would not touch the Lord's anointed. That's meekness. That's meekness. So blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. When you begin to walk, you need to grow in meekness to a point where you begin to possess lands you didn't labor for. You begin to possess houses you didn't labor for. Come on. It's in the Bible. Yes. You begin to possess lands and all of that. Because blessed are the meek. For they shall inherit the earth. You have an inheritance in the earth. And in the course of the week I said to you, you have an inheritance in every nation of the earth. But you need to develop the meekness that will give you access to that inheritance. Okay? So, be careful how you handle the power you have. 
Be careful how you use the power you have, the position you have, the influence you have. Be careful how you use it. You might find yourself in an office where there is so much power that is given to you and you begin to abuse it. You begin to use it to exploit people. You will be judged if you do that. That's not meekness. Okay. Then let's look at the next um, principle. It says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. I want you to know that this was this preaching of Jesus was so revolutionary because nobody has talked like this before. And he comes on the scene and he begins to preach these things. Remember, he's preaching the kingdom, and these are aspects, these are principles that govern kingdom living. So you cannot say you are in the kingdom of God, you are living in the kingdom of God, and you ignore these things. You, 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 you are in another kingdom. But if you are in the kingdom of God, this is how to live. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And I have said to you before that hunger and thirst are a currency in the spirit. That's what you use to purchase. So if you want to purchase a miracle, you need to have hunger for the miracle. Do you understand? So your hunger has to be at the same of the same value as the miracle you want. If something is 1,000 rands, you can't just go there and give them 150 rands and then expect them to give it to you. They won't give it to you. It's not the same value. So you have to bring, go borrow money, whatever, you know, sell your shoe and come and give them that 1,000. <laughs> hallelujah so in the spirit too he says blessed are those that hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be filled so the, your hunger must be commensurate to whatever it is that you are desiring of God so why don't we see enough manifestations there isn't enough hunger our hunger is so little hmm so little. So we need to re- increase our hunger. Increase our hunger. Your hunger for righteousness. Because you see, righteousness, uh, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the kingdom of God. So when you hunger for righteousness, it's a hunger for the kingdom. Are you getting my point? Yeah. So we need to work on our hunger. If, you, if we're not hungry for souls, do you know our hunger is not enough? That's why these seeds are empty. We're not hungry. That's the truth. We're not. Our hunger to see people in the kingdom is not strong enough. So God is waiting and like, when you wake up, Hello? Am I still preaching? Okay. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we need to work. Touch your neighbor. Come on, touch someone. Say you need to work on your hunger. Work on your hunger. Come on. Yeah. You need to work on your hunger to see God move. You need to work on your hunger to see the dead raised. You need to work on your hunger to see blind eyes open. You need to work on your hunger to see your entire family come into the kingdom. You need to work on that hunger. All right. So, um, next, come on. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Hmm? Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Many people want mercy, but they are not merciful. So, he's telling us, listen, if you want mercy, you better be merciful. You sow mercy, you receive mercy. Jesus told us a parable of a man that was, um, he was owing so much. 
And he went to his master, pleaded, please, I will pay you. I will pay you. And it's like, in natural terms, in our, in our day, if you compare the kind of debt that person was owing, he was actually not going to be able to pay. Do you understand? It's like someone saying he's, he's owing 500 million. Imagine someone, an individual, is owing 500 million. And then he comes, he's pleading, please, I will pay. Please, please, please. And he's forgiven. The debt is written off. And then he goes out, he sees somebody that was owing him 10,000 runs. He grabs the person. And he gets him locked up in jail. He said, if you don't pay this 10000 you are not coming out. I don't care. Sell your child. Sell your wife. Sell, sell everything. I want my money. Ha! <laughs> huh? And when the, when, when, the, when the master heard it, when the guy he was owing heard it, he's, he said, you wicked, you wicked man. With all I forgave you, you could not forgive this little amount. Small money. What is 500 million compared to 10,000? He said, lock him up. And that's how it works in the kingdom. Do you know that many Christians are in hell because of lack of mercy? Yeah, I'm telling you. I know, I know your theologians tell you that uh, once saved, always saved. You will be shocked if you believe that. I'm telling you. You must be merciful if you want God to be merciful to you. I don't care what anybody has done. You must be merciful if you want mercy from God. Because you owe God so much that entire lifetime is not enough to pay that debt. There is no, if you, even if you had a hundred lives and you tried to work to pay that, you can't. If all your generations work to pay that debt, they can't. If from Adam to date, humanity is working to pay that debt, we can't. It's too much. But yet, he was merciful to us. He forgave us. Amen? Amen. So, Mercy has to do with you not getting the punishment you deserve. It's not the same as grace, which is unmerited favor. You getting what you don't deserve. That's grace. But mercy, you don't get what you deserve. You deserve to be killed. Then you are not killed. That's mercy. Huh? You deserve to be Punished harshly, but you are punished mildly. That's mercy. That's why you see David always asks God for mercy. And when you read the pastoral epistles, huh? the pastoral epistles, that's First Timothy, Second Timothy, Titus, you know, those writings, other epistles of Paul, he always starts with grace and peace unto you. But when he comes to pastoral epistles, he adds mercy to it. Grace, peace, and mercy. Why? Because pastors need a lot of mercy. Please be merciful to us. Amen? Both from people and from God, we need mercy. We need mercy. And that's why we have to be merciful. Huh? You can stab us with just... <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> Yeah. Why? We need mercy. And everybody needs mercy. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. The measure to which you met out mercy 
will determine the measure to which you receive mercy from God. You should go and read that book, Divine Revelation of Hell by Mary Baxter. How many people know that book? You don't know it? Ah, a lot of you. you. Go and buy that book. Read it. It will scare the hell out of you. Yeah. Read it. They have the audio book. Get the audio book. Listen to it. The Christians in hell. Because they will not forgive. They will not be merciful. Nobody in this church should be caught in hell. If you are caught in hell, you will suffer. Don't go there. (laughs) Amen. Amen. No, you can't hear this and then go to hell. People go because they don't know this thing. If you know this thing, you better not... Amen. Yeah. So this is a different culture that we have to imbibe. You know, because the, 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 the culture we grow up in, the culture of the world is like tit for tat. Do you get my point? Yeah, but Jesus is introducing another culture of the kingdom. And so we need to embrace the teachings of Christ and make that part of our daily living. Make it part of what your family life is based on. Make it part of what your personal life is based on. Make it part of what your business life is based on. Make it part of what everything about you is based on. And I'm telling you, you will now experience the power of God in your life. Amen. So we thank God for the cultures that we grew up in. We thank God for all that we were taught, the good manners that we were taught, you know? When you wake up in the morning, it's good to say good morning. Hello? There are some adults that don't do that. Stop it. (laughs) Say good morning. Yes. When they give you something, you say thank you. You don't just take it. And then start, is it yours? Say thank you. That is good. A culture of thanksgiving is good. Yes. And in the kingdom, thanksgiving is vital. That's how you enter the gates. You don't have access. You can't even enter. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Huh? His courts with praise. Praise is a good part of your culture. As a king in God's kingdom. You must always be praising. Complaining is not part of our culture. Stop complaining. Don't grumble. Stop it. Say praise the Lord. Everything. I don't understand, but I praise the Lord all the same. It's painful. Ouch. Praise the Lord. That's the culture. We should embrace and imbibe. Add that to the good things in your culture. And you'll be a better person. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up on our feet. Come on, let's pray. Thank God for the good things that you have been taught from childhood. It's wonderful. Kindness is good. It's good to be kind. It's good to be Loyal. Loyalty is good. It's good to be loyal. Thank God for all these things. Amen. Respecting and honoring your elders is a good thing. It's a good thing. This is something Africa has that the West has lost. It's a good thing. Let's, let's, let's thank God for the good things in our culture. Come on. Father, we just thank you. We bless you. We glorify you. We give you praise. Thank you for the good things in our culture. The good heritage that we have. But we also thank you for the heritage that we have in your kingdom. 
Thank you for the things that Jesus has taught us. Thank you for a heavenly culture. Thank you, Lord. Minga lobrodus tikibadaha. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord. We bless your name. We bless your name. Thank you, Lord. I want us to pray. Let's just believe God to redeem our cultures. Those aspects of our cultures that need to be taken back from Satan. Let's pray that the Lord will redeem our cultures. Come on, let's pray. Father, I just pray, Lord God, that the good things in our culture, the things that Satan has stolen, oh God, Lord God, I ask that you would redeem them by your blood. Lord, to bring them back in the name of Jesus. My Lord and my God. Mighty God. Redeem our cultures. Redeem our cultures. By the blood of Jesus. Lord God, show us ways that we can rescue people. Show us ways that we can rescue people who have been enslaved by these things. Mighty God. Mighty God. We thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Ask the Lord to show you what role you can play in redeeming your culture. To show you how you can influence people in your culture. How you can bring them out of darkness into his marvelous light. Come on. There are certain cultural things that were introduced by darkness. In the name of Jesus, Lord, show us ways. Oh God, that we can bring the light. Oh my God, show us ways. Mighty God, we thank you, Lord. We thank you. We give you praise. We give you glory, oh God. In Jesus' name. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.